Eshet Kayi, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I, I studied really hard a lot to be able to say that phrase, okay? <laughs> because uh, I, I don't speak Hebrew, you know. As a matter of fact, you look at Hebrew, to me it looks like it's unfinished, you know. It's just like somebody needs to connect all those things, you know, to, to make, make a word or whatever. Um, but let me say this. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the Pope said something that kind of stirred up some people a little bit because he was talking about that, uh, the, the bomb that um, our government dropped, our, our armed forces dropped in Afghanistan that they called the mother of all bombs. And, uh, you know, uh, any time somebody says something, it seems like some people are going to jump on it and so, some people jumped on it to say the Pope was condemning the drop. No, he wasn't condemning the dropping of the bomb. He wasn't condemning the war. He wasn't condemning the battle. What he was saying was, if you read the quote, uh, he was saying that, that um, mothers are, are life-giving and this is a mother, a mother that takes life away. And he says, what's going on here? He said he was ashamed of that name. I understand the sentiment that he has behind that because we should, and we want to, and, and, and mothers deserve us to hold them at the highest level of esteem possible. But anyone who's been a mom for a, a little while knows that there comes a time there comes a time that you're just not the feminine little lady, especially when it comes to your children. There comes a time that the gloves have to come off. There comes a time that you gotta get serious. You gotta get maybe sometimes down in the dirt. You gotta get down where it's really serious and really going on and you gotta, and, and, and I know some of you moms, you are there right now. And some of you have been there a long time. Some of you are not there and, and you don't know about this. You don't know about that that's coming. But I think the, um, the scariest thing to me, the, the thing of most concern to me is that there are moms that are right there in the middle and, and, and need to be fighting and they don't even know it yet. So I pray that, I pray that isn't anyone sitting here today. And, and it may seem like you know, a, a discouraging thing to say, if you don't know this yet, moms, yeah, there's coming a day that you're going to have to fight. There's coming a day you're going to, have to pick yourself up after you've been knocked down 20 times, or 20 times 20, and get back up. And that sounds like that's a description. No, no, no. God put inside of you this eshekai. And because he did, he has made you up to the task. You are what, maybe more than anything today, you are what the children of America need. Great moms, awesome moms, powerful moms, strong moms, moms who believe in God and won't take no for an answer and won't take crap off of the enemy of your children's souls. That's, that's, that's what our children need today. So let's talk about, let me, let me tell you the story of an Eshekai from the, um, from the Old Testament. And if you're reading along with us in, in the Bible Project, you just read this story with us uh, just a few weeks ago. And if you're not reading with us, go to the Sunday's page, go to the sermon notes, scroll down, you'll find this scripture and you can read the whole story. A lot of awesome stuff. So, so let me tell you a little bit about setting this story up. The Shunammite woman, tell you a little bit about the first part, and then we're going to kind of go verse, verse by verse, a little expository today and share some points. Okay. So this, uh, this, this is a story in the middle of the life of Elisha, the great prophet. And most of the time, we know about Elijah, but the Word of God, if you, if you count them up, the Word of God shows us that Elisha actually has twice as many miracles recorded as Elijah, 
Okay, so this is a great prophet of God. But this story is not about Elisha. It's in the middle of his life. It's in the middle of all of his stories. But this one is not about Elisha. This one is about the Shunammite woman. Elisha comes to a, a village, an area named Shunem. And uh, this particular woman recognizes there's something about him, that he is a man of God. He's a prophet. And so she invites him into her house for dinner. Then he starts, you, know you know how preachers are. I mean, once you get one good meal, I mean, she, he's going to start coming back. And so he keeps coming back. And uh, so she finally, she says to her husband, said, let's build him a little room on top of our house up on the roof. And, and, and then we'll put a little bed in it and, and, and you know, a little place to sit and, and, and a, a light, you know, that he can, he, he can read by. And, and, you know, let's build him a place so he'll have somewhere to stay. And I, and I wonder really, I, I really just wonder if she really understood what she was doing when she was preparing. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see this. And this is awesome a little bit later. But I wonder if she really understood what she was really preparing when she was creating a place for the man of God to stay at her house. And so as time passed, one day Elisha and his servant Gehazi are there and they're staying in the room and, and they begin a conversation and, and he says, Gehazi, what, what, what could we do for this, for this woman? She's done so much for us. And Gehazi goes and asks her and asks her, can we do this for you? This mentions a couple of things. She said, no, I've got all that I need. So he and, he and Elisha are talking a little bit more and, and uh, Gehazi said, you know, she doesn't have a child. He said, call her back. And so she comes and she stands just in the door. Doesn't even, she just comes and stands at the door of the room. And Elisha says, about this time next year, you will have a son. And she says, listen, listen don't fool me. Don't mess with me. Don't get my hopes up here. And he said, you're going to have a son about a year from now. And it happened just as Elisha said. She got pregnant and she gave birth to a son just about a year later. And that's where I want to pick up the story in verse 19, and let's read some of it, okay? And so the child grew, grew, and now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, so we know he's old enough to go out into the, into the field, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Um, he, just all of a sudden, my head, my head. Uh, we, we don't have, here in the scripture, we don't have anything else pointing that there was a problem or that anybody was concerned there was a problem. His mom might have probably kept him at home if she thought there was a problem, but she allowed him to go out there and then boom, all of a sudden, it just came out of nowhere. Um, you and I, we live in a greatly blessed country and we live in a greatly blessed time. I mean, you and I, we're so stinking blessed. We are stinking spoiled. You know, what we have and what is it, I mean, it just, just even, you know, not even just this time, but just looking at other places of the world. But in this time and in this nation, we're so, so stinking blessed. But I think there has never been a time where there has been more attacks out of nowhere coming against families and against especially children in this country. And I know our children are taken care of, and many and most of our children are, but there are so many attacks. And, and, and if you're thinking what I'm thinking, and I, you know, and I don't want to have to go back and do an A21 sermon again here and talking about trafficking and not just drugs, but talking about human trafficking and all the things and, and the porn and, you know, and, and everything that's just being unleashed, uh, you know, stuff that you and I, if you're my age or close to it, we had to deal with when we became adults. Our children are now dealing with in middle school and some of them even younger. There, it is coming just like out of nowhere. So let me do a little commercial here for you, okay? 
I should have looked, I, I've forgotten the date. I should have looked it up between services. Uh, but uh, the family and events team is planning a day. I think it's, I think it's the second Saturday of January. And if you'll, uh, if you'll just look, uh, you can go to the, the, um, go to the website and you can see it there. Uh, but they're planning a day, and on this day, they're planning on touching all the bases, okay? Uh, they're, they're planning some things of fun just for families, for parents and kids to do together, to just have fun. Grandparents, too, don't, not leaving you out, and, and just doing some awesome things together, uh, some food and different things, uh, just some fun stuff to do outside. It's actually going to be here. And then also this day, here, here's, here's the reason that I'm doing this commercial right here. Also this day, they're going to be sharing some things with you as parents, you know, while the kids may be playing some, sharing some things with you as parents in, in three different areas about things, the concerns and attacks that are coming against your family. I mean, there's stuff, I mean, right, right now I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the urge to tell you some things I'm going to be preaching, I think three weeks from today. I'm, I'm fighting the urge to just say this because, because there's so much that our families are under attack for and we want to share some things with you. Our safety team is going to share some things, some other things, some resources, but it's going to be just a, a huge, awesome day. Uh, and, and so I want you to... Start thinking right now. Put it on your calendar that I plan to be there that day. Have my kids, regardless of what age your kids are, you know, because you may be a parent of older kids now, you're going to be a grandparent of young kids real soon then, okay? So I want you to think, okay, so that, that's the end of that commercial, but I really want to throw that in here because our families, and especially our children, I believe have more attacks from out of nowhere, and there are way too many parents that, that don't even realize these attacks are coming. So we want to deal with that, okay? So the servant picks him up and carries him to the mom. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, the boy sat on her knees, we would say sat in her lap, and then died. Died. I mean, that, this, this was like, I mean, you know, it's, it said so quickly there, it's like, man, that just, that just wrenches your gut, right? I mean, and he died. And so, you know, when, when, when this happened, it's, it's not just that now she loses the son. She loses the child. In, in the, the book of Genesis, when Cain kills Abel and God comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? And, and Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, what have you done, Cain? Because the voice of your brother's bloods cries out to me from the ground. And the Hebrew there, that, that word bloods, is actually plural. And so what God is saying is, he's not saying that Cain, the voice of your brother's blood is crying. He's saying the voice of your brother's bloods, not just his life, but the bloodline, the lineage that is coming. All of it, you have destroyed it. You have just, and that's what's happened here to her. It's not just the child. It's not just the son that she loves dearly, but it's all those dreams that she had, all of those thoughts, and not just her, but even her husband. You know, dad, come on, dad, you know how it is. He's already thinking about, man, I'm going to be handing down the, 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 you know, the family business to him, you know, handing over this property, this, this land to him. Now I've got an heir, going to teach him you know, how to shoot, you know, how to hunt, and how to farm and do all these things. And all of this promise and all of this blessing and all of the, 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 the hope of the future, it's all gone in just that quick, that quick of a moment. It's all gone. Now what do you think she was doing as she was watching this just slip out of her fingers? You think she was sitting there with her dying son in her lap, checking out Facebook? No, she was probably praying. So, well, she might, well, if she wasn't a, a woman of God, but she was, man, this, this is a woman that had built a room on a house, on her house for 
a man of God. So this was a woman, I know she was praying. Prayer is probably the, the most missed opportunity for Christians today. And, and, and I said it last week, uh, just a few weeks before that, I took you to the scripture. Let me mention it again, James chapter four. He says, you don't have what you want because you're not doing enough of this or, or because some of you are fighting, you're doing all you can, you're even fighting. He says, you don't have what you want, not because you're not doing enough, it's because you just simply haven't prayed. And prayer, you know, and if you're, if you're a mom and not a mom of prayer, you need to become a mom of prayer to prepare and get yourself ready. So now let's go on to the next verse, okay? I spent a lot of time right there, but I had a commercial throw in too. And she went up and laid him, the, her son, her dead son, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Okay, so she went, she had to climb the stairs to get to the room that was on the roof. She went to the second floor. Okay, she, she picked up her son and she carried him to the second floor. Surely the little boy had a place to sleep down in the rest of the house, right? It would have been a lot easier to just, is anybody listening? It would have been a lot easier just to put him at the most quick, convenient spot she could find. But she picked him up and she climbed the steps to the second floor to lay him in the place she could find that was as close to God as possible. She didn't care about what was easy. It no longer mattered what was easy or what was tough or what was hard. It no longer mattered about it. What mattered was her son was dead and she needed to get him close to God. Now, one thing we know is that the little boy was old enough to go out in the field, but now we know that he probably wasn't 18, 20, 25 years old, right? Because first of all, he sat in her lap until noon, and secondly, because she picked him up and carried him up the steps, unless she was a really good stout woman and, you know, and knew how to do a, a fireman th carry or something, you know, she probably wasn't getting him up the stairs. But so we know that he was probably a little bit younger. Imagine though if he was old, imagine if he was 18 or 20 or 25, he probably would have weighed too much, you know, he would have grown in stature too much for her to pick him up and to get him up the stairs. Did you get that? Let me connect the dots for you there if I can. The younger your child is, the easier it is to get them to God. Because as they grow, they gain weight. The weight of the world, they gain weight and the stature as they grow. And then people start expecting things of them. People start hanging things that you are this and you are that and start calling them this. They gain stature, they gain the weights, the burdens of the world. And the longer you let that go on, mom, the longer, dad too, the longer you let that go on, the harder it is to bring them. It is much easier to bring a child to God before they get all this other junk thrown into their minds and, and thrown onto their backs. It's much easier. So start at the earliest possible age that you can. Okay? So start at that age. So let's go on to the next verse. Um, then she called to her husband and said, she didn't, notice she didn't say, our son is dead. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. She's got a husband, she's got some hired servants and maybe some indentured servants, and she's got a donkey. And she knew a man of God. And so she's using all of those things. Okay? She called to her husband and says, send me one of the servants. She uses the servants to get a donkey. And she uses the donkey to get to the man of God. She uses everything she knows because I'm serious about this now. Something's got to happen. And so, and so her husband said, though, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And so he didn't realize that the son was dead. She's put him up there and she's left him there. 
He didn't realize that the son was dead. And he said, why are you going to him today? And she said, it is well. Is it well? Come on, come on, think about it. Is it really well? Her son is dead. Her son is dead laying on somebody else's bed in somebody else's room in her house. Her son is dead. Is it, is it really well? If we were to ask uh, across this room today and ask the moms, is it well with your life? Is it well with your family? Is it well with your marriage? Is it well with your children? And you know what? The answer would depend. It would rely upon who we were asking at the time. Because if you're all caught up in the, just the physical world and everything that's happening, and listen, as you look out there and you see everything that's happening, you see all these things that our kids are having to deal with that we didn't have to deal with when we were children, and you see all this, it is really easy to say, no, it's not well. The world is going to hell in a handbasket and trying to take my kids with them. It's not well. But if you are tuned in to the power and the spirit of God, like this woman was, that has already seen God begin, begin to work miracles in you. I love what, what uh, Brother Phil prayed over me at the close of the service. He said, he, who, he reminded me of the scripture when he was praying. He said, he who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it until it is finished. This woman, she has already seen the work begin, and that's why she's ready to say, oh, wait a minute. I still know that God. He hasn't gone away, and it is well. Hang on to that. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in just a few moments. Okay, next verse. Then she saddled the donkey. She said to her servant, drive and go forward, and do not slacken the pace from me unless I tell you. So she was in a hurry. And it said that she, she departed and she went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And I'm so glad scripture tells us where the man of God was, that he was at Mount Carmel. Because that lets us look at the, at the map and figure out how far she traveled. And by, you know, kind of the, the, the way the bird flies, the way the crow flies, as I used to hear people say around here, it was about 20, maybe 22 miles. But the way she had, to, we don't know what route she took, but it was more than that, right? But she went at least 20 miles. Has anybody ever ridden a donkey in here? Had one person raise their hand. Somebody, did somebody ridden a donkey? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Taylor was John and I thought he was raising his hand. <laughs> anybody ridden a donkey? There's one. We got one. You ever ridden it 20 miles as fast as it would go? Knowing that you had to make the 20 mile trip back? I mean, I, I just want you to see this, okay? You remember, the, you remember the message that I just preached about Naaman? And about how Naaman would do, he would have done something big, but he didn't want to do the little thing. And like Naaman, a lot of times, you know, he brought the gifts. He was willing to pay, but he wasn't willing to obey. That's a good alliteration there, just a little bit, you know, be a real good sermon title or something. He was willing to pay, but, but he wasn't willing to obey. You know, uh, back in the 90s, I, I was pastoring here in the Gardendale area back in the 90s. And some of you will remember that there was an awesome revival in, uh, on the coast of Pensacola, Florida. Awesome revival. Uh, only heaven knows the number of souls that were saved in that revival. O only the throne room of God where those records are kept, uh, can, can we even imagine the number of lives that were changed, marriages that were rescued, healings that took place, and other kinds of miracles that happened. No, nobody knows. And, and you know, people would come to me and talk about it and say, hey, we need to go, we need to go. And, and, and you know, I'd have people say, hey, let's, let's rent a bus, a, you know, a van or a bus, and let's go down there. And, you know, you know, and, I, and I had to say to them, I said, you know what, now, now listen, I'll, I'll not say never. I don't ever want to say never, okay? 
But you're not, you can go down there and you, and you can get in the middle of, of, of what God is doing and, and, and you can receive the blessing too. You can let somebody else pray over you. Maybe somebody's there and somebody prays over you and you get healed or you get your blessing or you get your miracle and you can go experience what that is, but you can't get a van load of it and bring it back home because what you're doing by renting a van spending a day to drive down there and spending a service with them coming back home. You know, you're willing to pay a little bit, but those people, those people prayed for two years. Now, this was back in the 90s. This was back when most services still had Sunday night church. You know, and if you were even thinking about canceling Sunday night church back then, people thought you were backslid for even mentioning the thing, right? Well, this pastor, Pastor Kilpatrick, he, he came to his church and he said, we're not having Sunday night service anymore. We are going to come together to pray. And some of you are thinking right now, well, okay, well, still you haven't church. No, 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 no. Because you know what church is? Church is for us, right? I mean, we come here and we think this is for us. We're here to be blessed in song, blessed in music, blessed, let somebody pray over us or whatever. Now he's calling us to prayer. It's no longer about us. It's about us praying for them. You know, and so he said that, and they prayed like that for two years, and then God shows up with this great, amazing revival, and no doubt thousands of souls and lives were changed in this revival. They prayed two years for that. You can't rent a van and go down there for a service and bring that kind of anointing back. Just don't happen that way. You know, we're willing to pay, we're willing to rent the van, we're willing to pay, but we're not willing to pray. Come on, we need to become people of prayer again. It's our greatest missed discipline and opportunity for what God wants to do in our life. I, I didn't mean to say that much that was right there, so let's go on to the next verse. She was willing to pay and to pray. Let, let, let me say, just, you know, when you're quiet, one of two things is happening. Either I've bored you and you're asleep, or you're really getting this and soaking it in. Let me make sure you get this, okay? We will pray except when it's too hard to pray. We will pray except when we got to go to a little more trouble to pray. This lady got on a donkey and rode for 20 miles just to get to the place where she could pray, oh man of God, come heal my son. This is not New Testament here where the Spirit of God is within all of us. This is, not, this is Old Testament. She had to go 20 miles to get to a place where she felt like she could pray. She was willing to saddle a donkey and ride 20 miles as fast as it would go so she could get to a place to pray. We need to become people of prayer again like that. Okay, uh, so it was. When the man of God, Elisha, saw her afar off, he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Okay, listen, moms. When, when, when that worst day of your life comes to pass in your life, and maybe in your kid's life, and something tragic is happening or happened, and something you're having to deal with, and, and these things begin to happen, and you start trying to have faith, and you say, no, 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 I serve God. He's still on the throne, and it is well. You're probably going to have to say that more than one time. She had to say it again. It is well. You know what? And it hadn't gotten any better. It's probably gotten worse. Her son was now cold 
His body was probably cold in that, in that room. If the EMT showed up now, it's too late to resuscitate him. It's too late to shock his heart back. It's too late to do, to do any of those things. It has not gotten better. It's gotten worse. But she's still saying it is well. I'm going to tell you why in a few minutes why she was able to say that. Next verse. Uh, now when she came to the man of God at the hill, when she came to Elisha, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But Elisha said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And she was all alone in her despair. Nobody else knew. Her husband didn't know. She had a husband he didn't even know. She had servants, and the servant had gone with her all the way, but she hadn't even told him. She gets there, and Gehazi says, hey, he interrupts on her way, and she says, no, it is well, it is well, just... She's saying, so let me get to the man of God. And she gets to the man of God. And even he, this one that, that God is letting him, I mean, he's letting him read the dreams of the king when he is, that's another story, but read the dreams of a king while he is sleeping. Elisha is reading those dreams and, 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 and hearing those things, and yet God has hidden this from him. So not even the man of God knows. She was totally alone in her despair. And that's where some of you moms are. And some of you have been there for a while maybe. Or some of you are going to be there one day. Uh, and again, the most distressing thing is that if some of y'all are there and you just don't even know it yet. I pray that you know it. But when you get there, and when you, listen, when you get to those places that are the worst, it, that's the times that you will feel. Even if you aren't alone, you will feel alone. She had a husband. She had a servant. She knew the man of God. She had all these things, but she still felt all alone. And you're going to feel all alone at times like that. But that's not the time to give up. That's not the time to quit. That's not the time to throw in the towel. It's the time to take off the gloves and start really fighting. That, it was time for a hero, right? It was time for her to be, no, let's scratch that. It was time for her to be a heroine, right? Because she was a woman of God. She was the, she was the Eshet Kair. It was a time for her to be. And, and, and you're, if you're not there, you're going to get there. And if you're there, let me encourage you. It's, t- it's time to keep on fighting, mom. Let me encourage you to keep on, keep on going, keep on struggling, keep on praying, whatever, whatever it takes to get there. Okay. Go on to the next verse. I'm trying to hurry because I've, I've, I've enjoyed preaching this a little too much today. All right. Uh, so she said, she said to Elijah, did I ask a son of you? Did I not say, don't mess with me, man. Don't deceive me. Don't mess with me. Don't tell me something that's not going to happen. Didn't I say that? What she's saying was, this was not just my dream. You brought it up, and God's the one that fulfilled it. This was your and and God's dream. This wasn't just my dream. This was your dream. She is reminding it. And so let me remind you today, okay, moms? The sweet, precious children that God has put in your hand, they were God's dream before you ever felt them kick in your womb. They were. And you know, and and I added this scripture late. I I think I added it yesterday. It's maybe not, but I added. I know I added this late. Is I just thought about it when I was thinking of through this again yesterday. I was thinking, yes, and that Romans chapter eleven verse twenty nine tells us that the gifts of God are irrevocable. So, mom, if you're you're hearing the voices whisper or shout in your ear that your kids are walking a path far away from God, that they're going in the wrong direction, that they've they've walked that path so so long now they're so far away from God they'll never come back, that they've made too many bad choices they can never be right with him or whatever you just remember that that sweet precious gift was God's dream before you ever knew it was your child and 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 the gift that he gave you in that child is irrevocable you're still that you're still that child's mother and the prayers that you prayed when he was or she was one you can still pray if they're 20 or or 
30 or 50 or 60 years old, you are still that child's mom and you still have that authority to pray those prayers. So, so keep praying those prayers. Next verse. Uh, then he said, Elisha said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand. Be on your way. And if you meet anyone, don't greet him. And if anyone greets you, don't answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. She was getting the brush off. She was getting, he was saying, he was sending the servant. Now, I used to read this, and I used to read this like, okay, he is sending, he is sending the servant on ahead, lay the, and then I'm coming, you know, just go ahead and lay the staff, and I'm coming as quick as I can. But that's not what happened here. Look, the next verse. And the mother of the child says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. He was still sitting down. He hadn't even put on his shoes yet. He wasn't planning on going anywhere. He had given her the brush off. He was sending Gehazi back that 20-mile trip that he didn't want to take. And he was sending Gehazi, but she was bowed up now. And she said, I'm staying here till you go. We're going together, buddy. You started this thing. And, I, and you're going to help me see this thing, that he that began this good work in, in my family is going to keep working on it until he has completed and finished that thing. She was bowed up now, and she said, well, I'm not going anywhere till you go. And so he got up, and he started going. And he started going, hey, man, anybody have a mom like that? So no, we're going, we're going to do this together. Next verse, next verse. Uh, now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Nothing had happened. Therefore, he went back to meet him. Presumably, they were now on their way. I mean, it's 20 miles, so he probably met them on the way and said, the child has not awakened. I'm, I'm, I'm closing here, okay? So, so catch this. Um, catch this. Is here, here's, here's what is going on in this woman's worst day of her life. She has held her child in her arms and watched him die. And then she's been told, no, wait. And then by her husband, why are you going today? Don't go today. She's told, no, wait, 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 wait. And then she's interrupted, trying to get to the man of God, and Gehazi comes and interrupts her. She says, this well, let me get to the man of God. She goes as far and as long as it took to get to the place that she could pray the prayer. And the next thing she hears right there is no. It didn't work. There is no life. No, he's still dead. There is no miracle. No, no, no. But this woman refused to let no be the final answer. Thank God for moms who refuse to accept no over their children. Mom, make up your mind. It is well. It may not look well in the physical but it is well in the spiritual, and the spiritual will always overtake the physical. It is well. You just can't see it yet. It is well. And don't take no for an answer. And I know she didn't take no for an answer because of what the next verse says. But I want to tell that to you when I get you down front. So could I ask, first of all, for all the moms to come forward? Let's all stand. And moms, if you'll come forward. And I would also... Just tell you, if you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with final song and final prayer. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. But moms, come on. If you're a grandmom, come on, because you were, and you still are a mom, right? 
And if you will kind of gravitate toward the center just a little bit, and thank you, thank you. And let the prayer team get around here in front of you. And yeah. Okay, now I'd like everyone else to come on in behind them, all right? All the families, come on in. And let's, we're going to circle them. Family's going to be behind them, and me and the prayer team's going to be in front of them. We're going to encircle them with prayer this morning. So, first of all, let me tell you something. I, let me tell you something that I skipped in the message that you really need to hear, okay? It hit me just, just a couple of moments ago. Is this, that when she carried the boy up to the room, where did she carry him? She carried him to the place that she had prepared. Nobody else had prepared that place. She had prepared that place. Remember me asking her, I wonder if she really realized what she was doing. She was building that. She was building a place for her to carry her dead son to receive his miracle. She, she was, even though she didn't know that day was coming, she was prepared for it. You know, I'm sorry, Mom, there's some, there's some bad days. And some of you who are my age, you say, yeah, there's going to be some bad ones. But that's why God made you an Eshekai. He made you the one that could fight through that and hang on. So, so let's look at that next verse, right? Let's look at it. Verse uh, 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed, on Elisha's bed. He went in therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And Elisha went up and lay on the child and he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hand on his hands. Prophets are weird, aren't they? I mean, you know. I don't understand, but that, that's why he did what he did. I don't know why, but that's what he did. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Then Elisha returned, went back down to the, uh, into the house, and walked back and forth in the house. And again he went up and stretched himself out on the child. And then the child sneezed seven times. And sometimes God's weird too. <laughs> right? I don't know why in the world the first thing God did was make the child sneeze seven times. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care what God does as long as I get my miracle. I don't care what God does as long as he saves my kids. I don't care what God does as long as he rescues my family. I don't care how God does it. What I care about is that just God shows up and does it. Amen? So let's just quit worrying about God being weird. If God wants to be weird, he's, he's God. He can be weird. He has permission to be weird. You know, he can give it to himself. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and she came out of that room. She went into that room with a dead son and the next time she came out of it with him in her hands, he was alive. He was alive. She went in with a dead son and she came out with a live son. There is no one more responsible for this boy's life coming back to him than she was. Okay, granted, Elisha prayed the prayer. Without Elisha, it wouldn't have happened. But without her, Elisha would not have even been there. I mean, if the room wouldn't have been built, none of that would have happened. And remember, he was still sitting, hadn't even put on his shoes yet. If it hadn't have been for the mom, you listen to me. It is no accident. It will be no coincidence if your children, mom, end up in eternity with Jesus Christ. It will not be an accident. It will not be coincidence. It is no accident or coincidence that I and my two brothers... You might have heard this before, but you're just going to get the testimony one more time, okay? 
It is no accident or coincidence that I and my two brothers and our spouses and our children and some of those children are married, those children's spouses and their children, every one of us is in church today and we are in church every Sunday that rolls around unless we're hindered by something like work or sickness or something. Every one of those down now three generations. It is no accident, it is no coincidence, but it is because God gave us an eshekai. He gave us not, not a sweet, she's sweet and she is precious, but not just a sweet, precious woman, but just with a little dab of mean when the devil starts coming against him. Just enough dab of mean that when the devil starts, and you know, that's what God gave us in mothers. Not mothers who are saying, I only want, I only want, you know, we used to pray, we used to pray, God, give us kids with, with personality. We didn't know what we were praying. We'd change that if we could. But not, not I want perfect kids, but just give me kids and, and moms that, that roll up their sleeves and take off the gloves and get down in the dirt and wear the eshekaiu. And let me tell you something. Every single one of you mothers standing before me, God has put the eshekaiu, that woman, that woman of valor inside of you. He's put it there. Let it come forth. And if you get tired, you get weary, then find you a mother a little bit older than you that knows what it's like. And then it's hasn't just fought the battle, but like this mother has also won the battle and has the victory and is standing in this today. Find you somebody like that to encourage you and to lift up your arms. And I want to do that right now. So we're going to pray over you, okay? And if you're close enough to a mom, lay your hands over on her shoulder and let her know somebody's praying for her today, okay? And maybe some of you moms even want to lay your hands on, the, on some of the other moms' shoulders. Let's pray for one another, okay, Father? I